Welcome to the Actually Connecting Podcast, where emotions, consciousness, and connecting come first. Welcome to the Actually Connecting Podcast, where emotions, consciousness, and connecting come first. I have a really, really fun guest on today, and her name is Holly Marie. She is a spiritual teacher specializing in human design and really focuses as a trauma-informed life and success coach. Hello, how are you today? I'm so good. Thank you for having me, Dan. You're very welcome. So I just kind of touched on some really brief topics, and the truth is this is the first time you and I have ever really spoken and met. Yeah, it is, yeah. So I, I didn't want to go too far into what you do because just right off the bat, when I heard human design, to be honest with you, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> will, will you help me like un- kind of understand and, and break that into pieces on what that, how do you land into a position like that? How do you find out that this is your skill, your passion? Like, yeah. What's that look like? Yeah, so human design is, it's been around for a while. It's been around kind of since uh, the mid 80s. Um, but it's really starting to emerge a lot more into uh, the social collective over the last two years in particular. Um, so human design is, is what's known as the science of differentiation. It was uh, believed to be a channeled system. So the, the person who channeled it was a guy called Alan Krakenau, who later renamed himself Ra Uruhu. Um, and he, he had a sojourn. He went on a, a pilgrimage, a three-day, three-night pilgrimage, and channeled this entire system. And this was a guy who had kind of come from no real um, spiritual or energetic background. He was a, a fairly kind of, you know, average run-of-the-mill person um, and channeled and recorded this entire system. And that then became his life's work from there on was just uh, getting that into a book and teaching it to people. And what it does is that it's actually a a hybrid system. It's a combination system where it brings in, um, curiously, this kind of balance of what we would see of spirituality and science. On one side, it says we're bringing in astrology, chakras, E-tring, Kabbalah. And then on the other side, we're also bringing in epigenetics, biomechanics, and quantum physics. And it merges everything in together to give you what we call a body graph, which is a really like complex gobbledygook looking picture of lines and numbers. A lot of people kind of hear about human design will, will run their human design chart. You run it with your birth date, much like your natal chart in astrology. And they'll run their human design chart and it just spits out this kind of crazy looking thing and they have no idea what to do with that. So Mm. it's really interesting now to see that uh, human design, particularly since 2020, has become so much more prevalent in the consciousness. And so previously where people kind of ran their chart and said, that's way too complex, don't want to deal with that, don't want to understand what that means, It's human design is, is really it's making its way into people's lives. I mean, we consider human design to be an energy in and of itself. Um, You know, it was a channeled system. It is an energetic body and and it sort of finds people. I'm not sure that people find human design. I think that human design finds people and it evolves. It continues to evolve. So, yeah, it's it's a really, really curious system to work within. I enjoy working within it among many, many other um ideologies and philosophies because it's individualized because it's it's a system that says this is not how you are the same as everyone else this is how you are different 
from everyone else. This is how you are unique. This is why you have these unique experiences. It gives us some language to explain our journey and to get some perspective on our journey. Um, and particularly the convergence that I love with it is that because human design gives you this sort of roadmap, this blueprint to your own energetic structure and how you receive energy, how you process energy, it tells us so much about trauma and the processing of trauma, um, what we perceive as trauma when other people don't perceive it as trauma. So it's a really, really just curious kind of cross match for my, my experience of spirituality. There's a lot to dive into there. There's How, so much, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, and like you said, anytime you hear someone say you channeled something in, that's or, or someone channeled this in, that mm -hmm. in itself is you have to be really, I think, on a higher vibration to be, even be able to consciously understand that phrase. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. When, why do people come and find this? Like, what are, is it because of the trauma? And that's that there's a process of in, looking into that or, is there something they just want to know more about themselves? Yeah, you know, I really think it's probably different for everyone. I think there are so many um, entry points into mm. human design because it's that hybrid system, right? Because it, it uh, has so many doorways in um, that it really speaks to people at different points along their journey. I certainly did not come into human design because I was looking for any explanation of trauma. Um, I wasn't even really searching for um, any language or any system around personal development. I, I was already, you know, kind of <laughs> very, very much in that pond and, and feeling like I was being served. Um, for me, I originally came from a nursing background. So what spoke to me about human design was the biomechanics, is that I was able to see Oh my goodness! This is this is where uh, out of alignment energy physically shows up in the body. We actually have a reference point here to see this is why the body displays these certain symptoms in these certain areas of the body because it's actually all energetic, um, which has been known for a very very long time in in kind of all all philosophies of medicine, Eastern and Western. Um, but there really has been no explanation for it, and so. Um, that, that was what sparked my interest. That's why I started to go down the rabbit hole. Does that reference like chakras or is, there, is it more physical and more scientific even in its sense of misalignment of energy or where the alignment of energy is? It's both. So it is based off the chakra system. Um, however, it splits two chakras off. So in human design, they're referred to as energy centers and there's nine of them rather than the seven chakras. Mm -hmm. um, and... Then additionally, there, you can actually view that energetic kind of circuitry without having any understanding of the chakras or the energy centers, right? You can actually look at that very uh, biomechanically, very physically and say, oh, this, this references this particular part of the body. This references this particular part of the body and look at it through that language as well. Fascinating. From a high level perspective of what is it for you? You know, I think that for me, and again, this is, it's so ironic because it's actually represented in my human design. Um, mm. For me, this system has given language to the exploration of unknown things, right? It's, it's given me language wow. to um, really, really understand that these differences that I felt on a personal level, right, it's very personal versus collective. For me, on a personal level, 
I have felt different to others. I have felt that my perspective is different to others. I felt that my energetic experience is different to others. And human design has given me language to see the truth in that, right? And so I've lost kind of that cognitive dissonance of, gosh, why am I weird and why am I different and why am I abnormal? Now it's, oh, I see how I'm unique, right? I see how I'm distinct in this. Um, but also collectively, it gives me this, this opportunity to like step out of that narcissism, right? Step out of that self-focus and say, oh, this is, this is what the collective experience is and this is how I contribute to that, right? This is why mm-hmm. we are journeying through these things and potentially why I came here for this, right? I think a lot of people are having that, that question yeah. of themselves right now. Like why on earth would we come to the human experience, for the last few years. I mean, this has been intense and volatile and and relentless, Mm -hmm. seemingly never-ending. So I think any any language or any system or any depth of understanding that gives us a place of recognition to say, wow, maybe this is what I'm here to contribute. Maybe this is what I'm here to bring. Maybe this is is what I'm here to receive. I think that that's incredibly valuable, particularly right now. Is this system of language what you're here to understand and then offer to others? Or did it go deeper in itself as you've been discovering this process for yourself? Yeah, I don't, I don't think this is the, the hill that I'll die on, really. I think, um, yeah. you know, this is, for me, I don't, I don't believe that there is, you know, one, one box or one yeah. ideology, right? I think that yeah. all, all systems of um, language, of personal development, of spiritual awakening, they all have value and they all resonate with, with each of us at different times and in different ways, yeah? So it's not, you're not less spiritual if, if you don't vibe with yoga, right? And you're not more spiritual if you're writing to astrology. I think that they just, they provide different oceans for us to swim in for certain periods of time. Um, and in terms of like whether this is what I think I came here to do, no, I think that this is something that connects with me right now because it connects with the collective right now because mm-hmm. this is the language that is resonating with people. It's, it's the system that people are, are finding easy access to self-awareness and to healing and to growth and expansion. So that's likely why I feel passionate about it at this point in time mm-hmm. but i assume that that we'll move beyond that and hopefully we'll evolve into more depth from here have you heard a download or processed with yourself what you are here to do gosh that's so that's such a perfect question and it's so hard to put into language mm-hmm. right i think right. Uh, i yeah i spent a really really long time doing that sort of desperate search for purpose. What is my sole purpose and what is my mission and what am I here to do? And I I think that's a really human experience that a lot of us go through, right? Certainly if you have had kind of any element of awakening or just feeling like you're not quite fitting into your life anymore, um, we sort of want to capture this like one or two sentence sole purpose Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. this is what i'm here for because then that (laughs) that like immediately lays the road out in front of us doesn't it like it removes all that uncertainty and all that fear and all that discomfort because it gives us parameters to work within um and i i think that what that journey actually showed me 
was that in trying to find that, in trying to find that description of what am I here for and, and what, what tagline can I put on it, it showed me that there is no tagline um, and that, oh, I mean, on a very yeah. wide level, mm-hmm. I think I'm just here to experience expansion just like everyone else is, right? Yeah. We're, just, we're just here to have the experience. Um, I think uniquely for me, my personal journey within that is to just understand consciousness at a deep Ooh. level. Yes. Yeah. What is consciousness to you? One of the three questions I ask every single person that comes on this podcast, what is consciousness to you? I think, I think consciousness is almost the duality of the human experience, right? It's, we try to simplify that down. We try to boil that down so much like consciousness is being present or consciousness is having a spiritual awakening or consciousness is activating your gifts. I think consciousness is every day being available to the duality of what we have here, the duality of this is the 3D, I am the human experiencing very human things, which are sometimes wonderful and sometimes very difficult. And then we also have the 5D, which is I I am an energetic being, right? I exist Mm -hmm. amongst many different energies that don't have containers and don't have labels and don't have language. And so I can have these very... I, meaning all of us, we can have these experiences of, oh, I go really up into the 5D. I can do these, you know, soul connections and soul activations and higher self and um, whatever, whatever vehicle that is for you. I mean, some people love plant medicine. Some people love meditation, right? But it's that access to divine energy without limitation. Mm-hmm. And then also come straight back down and be back in the 3D and say, okay, my body's hungry. What do I need for lunch? Like that's that's consciousness. It's always this sort of light and shade, and that is really a complex thing when you start to dive into it. Mm-hmm. When you say 3D, 5D, do you feel comfortable explaining that to the audience out there that doesn't understand that, that D-dimensional aspect of life yet? Oh, sure. Yeah, I think I can explain it in my language for sure. Other mm-hmm. people might explain it differently. But mm-hmm. um, to me, it's it's very much just dimensions of awareness, right? So the 3D being that very um, structural, right? It's the, it's the dimension of awareness on in which we can touch and taste and smell and feel and see and hear, right? It's, it's what we're living in right now. I can feel the headphones on my head and I can touch the desk under my hands and I can feel the chair underneath my body and I can feel the ambient air temperature around me. It's the 3D. The 5D, that fifth dimension, is where we lose those material structures and it's just energetic sense. It's sense. And so part of my experience, um, really going a little bit deeper into human design, the energy type that I exist in in human design is called the manifester energy type. And what, what we do as manifestors is that we bring urges from the 5D. We sense these things that want to get created. They have, no, they have no structure to them. They don't exist. We just sense them. And we use our energy as the conduit to bring them to life. So we initiate things. We create new things and bring them into the 3D so people can experience them. Um, and so I think that that just uniquely kind of divides my life into Oh, I'm very aware of the 5D because I know when I'm in that state and I'm very aware of the 3D because 
I'm also a human and I need to exist in that state too. Mm. What are the other ways you can experience human design? If you're a manifestor, what, what else is out there? You mean if you are another energy, energy type? Energy profiles, design? energy types, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So human design on that kind of top layer breaks, breaks all of society down into five energy types, sort of the most generalized part of human design. After that, it gets quite individualized. Mm-hmm. Um, but it breaks it down into five energy types and you'll fit into one of those categories. So we have the generators who are the most dominant type. They're at about 37%. Um, and the generators really are these, they're the builders, right? They're creative. They're very, very responsive. Um, the generators, when in alignment, are sunshine because they're they're responding to what lights them up. They're saying, oh, this thing really excites me, so I'm going to put my considerable energy into that and I'm going to master that, right? We have a lot of extraordinary generator people in society. Um, mm. Oprah Winfrey, for example, is one of them. Right, this kind of pursuit of mastery of the thing that really lights you up and the thing that excites you. We then also have our manifesting generators, which are a hybrid type. Uh, so they're at thirty three percent. They're also pretty dominant, um, and they have this. They have that same ability of the generators, right? Be very responsive, be very creative, pursue what lights them up. They have a lot of sustained energy to be able to do that. Except that they also have the manifester quality as well, which means they won't try to master one thing at a time, they'll master 10 things at a time. They're really the only archetype that can multitask. They're here to juggle a lot of different things at once and bounce between a lot of different things. And I think socially we've seen that that's a quality that has been really adored and really admired. And so then that becomes the expectation that we should all be able to do that, right? This hustle Mm -hmm. culture. Mm -hmm. I should be able to keep seven different balls up in the air all the time, except that most people can't. It's really only the manifesting generators that can do that and really thrive in that energy. Then we have our projectors at about 20%. Um, our projectors are much slower than the generators or manifesting generators. They don't have that sustained physical energy, but they're here for detail. They're here for knowledge, right? They become the teachers, the guides. They have a penetrating energy that is always processing everything around them in detail and kind of guiding it into conclusion, guiding it into answers. So um, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, both projectors, they have this sort of slower, deeper, more methodical way of processing Mm -hmm. energy. Mm -hmm. And there are other manifestors, which is my energy type. We are at about 9%, so we're pretty rare. Um, The manifestors have the only closed energy of everyone. So we exist um, behind a closed aura. We feel quite separate. People can't really read us or understand us unless we are talking and informing people and allowing them to be part of our energy. Um, And that's because our role here is to be the initiators. It's to be the visionaries, to bring new things. Um, Maya Angelou was a manifester, right? So this very kind of -of out-of-the-box way of of presenting things to people. Um, Zelensky, the Ukrainian president, also a manifester. So manifestors can have this really beautiful impact as long as we're operating in alignment. And then finally, we have our rarest of the rare types, which is the reflectors, and they are at about 1%. Um, The reflectors have completely 
open energy. So they receive everything and they become, they become like the sponges of society. They process everything around them. They're very receptive to environment, very receptive to like the undercurrents in the collective. Um, they take a long time to process all of that energy and then they reflect back to us what is needed. So reflectors are incredibly rare and incredibly special and, and as you would expect, struggle a lot with conditioning and trauma and just the weight of processing all of that energy in a world that tells them to constantly keep up. Mm. And that's, so that's your high level and then it drops into the trauma that each experiences and how they process trauma within their, their life. Yeah. Yeah. So you, <clears throat> it drops down into um, what's known as inner authority. So how you are uniquely designed to make decisions um, and what you experience when you don't make decisions in alignment with that energy. Um, we have what's referred to as the profile, which is um, on a very basic level, like your personality archetype, right? This is how you see yourself and how other people see you. We then go down into energy centres, um, which is reflective of the chakra system. So this is how energy is moving through your body, where you have defined energy, that's energy that feels very familiar and easy to you. But where you have undefined energy, that's really where you're open to trauma. That's where you're open to conditioning. Um, that's where you're going to experience, you know, those, those hurts and those kind of sticky spots. Um, and, you know, that's, I think that, Wherever you want to come into human design, wherever it speaks to you, if it speaks to you at all, is, is more reflective of this is what you're searching for in your experience mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. And this is the layer of the system that will help give you some structure and some understanding about that. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. May I ask from your own personal perspective when it comes to trauma, how, how did you experience that when you came from your nursing background, going into biomechanics, you were, it sounds like at a scientific level, were you also in the trauma side as well, looking for that for yourself? Oh, for sure. Yeah, 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 for sure. I, you know, I was one of those individuals that had a lot of traumatic experiences, right, is the very classic understanding of trauma. So I had a, a very abusive childhood and um, experienced um, ongoing, consistent sexual abuse and physical abuse, emotional abuse. Um, and even, even when I left childhood and kind of came into my adulthood and left my home environment and, and became more independent, I found that those patterns were repeating even still when I was in, you know, completely different spaces and, and was much more autonomous, I was finding that I was still having um, experiences of sexual harassment and sexual assault, you know, in my workplaces from, from bosses, from colleagues. Um, I found I was still getting um, emotionally abused. I was still experiencing threats of physical abuse from people in my life. And at first, of course, that frustrated me because it was so... It was so overwhelming having spent my entire childhood thinking, once I get out of this environment, everything's going to be fine, right? I'll just be able mm. to leave this behind me. And then I got out and I found this is still happening. So the common denominator is me. Why am I now experiencing this? Mm. Why is this, yeah, why does this experience mm -hmm. keep coming back into my life? Which is very easy to say and I think very challenging to experience. 
mm-hmm. and to understand as a person who has been the victim of abuse to then find this is following me like a dark cloud. So what am I doing wrong to make this continually happen to me? Which, of course, is not the answer. Right? I'm not doing anything wrong. Um, it's just that, I guess, that energetic manifestation, right? There are, there are lessons for me <clears throat> to learn here and, and there are things that are being reflected back to me and environments that are not supportive of me that I continue to put myself into. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I kind of reached a, a crescendo, really, with that. It was... Um, in my late 20s, um, through that Saturn return for the, the astrology lovers out there. Um, and I had purchased my own business. Um, I had been o- operating as a, a contractor, um, consulting for other people's businesses for many, many years. And I decided, no, now it's, it's time for me. I'm going to buy my own business. Um, and it was one of the most horrifically traumatic experiences of my, my whole life. And that's really saying something, right, because I I came from a lot of trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I found that I was kind of in bed with investors who were criminal, just criminal. And um, every single day there was another thing that was sort of come out of the the woodwork. You know, there were um, staff who had been underpaid and um, suppliers who had been lied to and backdoor deals that had been done and had my name put on it and um, that then lent itself to to threats. There was multiple threats of physical violence. You know, I would have very, very large men come in and physically stand over the top of me and make demands. Um, it was, I think it was the first time that I'd really experienced financial trauma as well and that mm-hmm. that was so new to me mm-hmm. and it created this layer of just fear it was mm-hmm. deep panic deep panic in that place and I felt like a cornered animal right um it was certainly the first time in my life when I genuinely experienced suicidal ideation because mm-hmm. I thought there is now no way out of this right everything is so so damning in this place and there's no doorway to exit. And eventually, eventually my, my body actually crumbled. I got a, a stress-induced heart condition um, and my heart would just stop beating. I would stop breathing and my heart would stop beating and I'd lose consciousness. Um, and that was that began happening more and more frequently until it was happening about 15 times a day. Um, and, and, you know, the cardiologists were saying to me, you need to leave this business or you're going to die because... There's, there's no way, there's no other way to solve this. <laughs> you need to stop putting this load on your body. So I exited. I walked away from a business that I had built from, uh, we bought it out of liquidation. And so we'd taken it from $0 to um, just over $2 million in revenue. Um, and I walked away with nearly $200,000 in debt and handed over all of the good stuff to everybody else. And uh, in retrospect, that was really what pushed me into, I guess you'd call it rock bottom, right? It, mm-hmm. it pushed me into a place where spiritual awakening was the only option. It was, it was death or experience a new way. Um, and I, I'm not sure that anybody chooses awakening, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm not sure that we like have the privilege of sitting down and saying, "Great, today I'm today I'm going to start learning about myself." Right. Um, 
but it just it unfolded and it was it was messy and it was chaotic and like most people my whole identity the whole way I'd seen myself you know broke down and broke apart and I couldn't um, I couldn't do all the things that I used to do I couldn't function in all of these patterns that I used to exist within Um, I couldn't even maintain you know friendships or relationships that suddenly seemed so out of alignment right it was like everything that I'd spent three decades uh surviving through and struggling for and pushing and driving to create was somehow void it was it was gone um and I you know over that time that was really where I just dove into well what does all of this mean what this has to be telling me something about my trauma this has to be telling me something about why I've experienced life this way right why I'm a Mm -hmm. um a white girl from an upper middle class suburban family and I experienced all of these things that I did. I, it's, you know, it's hard to explain. I think it's hard to explain how that morphs itself into, into something new, but it just did. It just evolved itself. I, I rebuilt my identity, I think, from a place of actual awareness of who I was, or at least a glimpse of who I was. I, I think like everybody, I'm still learning who I am and all the aspects of me and what that means and what that evolves into. But yeah, trauma was 100% my, my gateway. That was my access into seeing myself, into experiencing consciousness, into experiencing myself as an energetic being rather than just as a human in this, you know, sometimes difficult human experience. Totally. How long was, and I feel like this is because you just went through a major perspective, like part of your life really quickly. And I appreciate Mm -hmm. how succinct you're able to have this conversation, but I think it's also really important for people to understand. May I ask how long was the swing from that down part of life to then the awareness and the comprehension of okay, this is who I am and my life is now in my control and it's getting better. How long yeah. did that process alone take? Because I feel like that, it sounds like one thing just be like, it went from this to this and this and everyone hears that. You hit rock bottom and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden everything's different. But I, I think in that moment, you don't understand on how many days, how many, and maybe it's not that for you, but I hear so often that, how long is that process for you? It was, it was about two years. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. I, I've never uh, had conversation with anybody who who found that it was quick. Exactly. <laughs> We're like, this was deep and it was dark and it felt like it would never end. And then you sort of come out the other end of that tunnel and realize, gosh, that was worth it for all the times that I thought this wasn't worth it. It yeah. actually was. Um, yeah. While also recognizing, once it's begun, it you don't come back out. Right. right. Once once you're down that tunnel. You, you can't crawl back back into where you were. You just have to keep going forward. It's the red pill, blue pill. Like you can't oh, go back sure, and yeah. not take that pill because you can go back to the lifestyle, but you'll know deep down, you know now. Yeah. Yeah. That Did awareness you, is a blessing and a curse. <laughs> oh, and I think that's such an important awareness. And it's so interesting that you brought from awareness, we jumped into the consciousness side of things because they really are so similar in mm. that process. And I, I feel like 
so many times I've heard where I speak with people who they say, what is consciousness? And they say awareness. Mm. Like that is what it means for them the whole way through. While you were going through that and you started realizing you were the common denominator, mm. was there a process for you that was frustrated that you were the victim, but also understanding how you can be responsible, but also the victim, that, that dichotomy of the, like the dualism in a lot of ways that you talked about earlier, that yeah. you, you're not responsible, but you're responsible. Yeah. That, that weird, tricky piece right there, I think is so interesting to really dive into. Yeah, I think I swung back and forth on that for a long time. For me, that was a real pendulum of uh, I could only see it in black and white. I could only see it as I am either the victim or I am solely responsible for creating this. And both of those places just created anger for me. They just created a deep place of resentment that it was either anger directed at other people for forcing mm -hmm. me to be the victim or mm -hmm. it was anger and resentment at myself for forcing myself to be the victim in this. Um, and it did. It took me many, many years to, I think, come to the place of harmony, to recognise that it's grey. It's a fusion of these things, right? It's that, it's that looping. It's a, a cycle of energy that, yes, there are people who chose to do things that were damaging to me. Yes, I was, um, especially as a, a very young child, I was certainly the victim, right, of people who had more power and more ability um, and took advantage of my vulnerability at those ages. But then also because that formed my worldview and that formed my energetic frequency, I then just continued to recreate those circumstances it is a dichotomy is such a good word for it because i think it's a real mind boggle to try to understand that <laughs> as humans that even you know when i reflect on my experience uh, seeing that as an adult i would then go into situations in friendships or workplaces or whatever they were where i would think oh gosh no this time i've really got it like this time these people are good and they will look after me and this is a really safe place because I chose really wisely this time, right? Mm -hmm. And then to see within a couple of weeks or a couple of months it would dissolve mm -hmm. into, oh, wait, no, once again, th this is abusive and this is <laughs> traumatic and this is not good for me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that that is the real struggle for us in recognising responsibility in this is that that energetic exchange is more often than not happening unconsciously. You are not consciously showing up in any situation and saying, well, I am going to continue this cycle of abuse. It's exactly what I'm going to do, right? I think this is a really important narrative right now when we're, we're really dismantling things like um, domestic violence mm -hmm. and, and saying where does the, the blame reside? Is it with the abusive mm. partners or is it with the victim partners who do not leave and then find themselves in another domestic violent relationship, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's very, very nuanced. It's very nuanced. Yes, we are responsible for these experiences that we have, but it's really because our energy is just unconsciously manifesting that for us. We are attracting the, the energetic state that we are in. 
And if so, if the energetic state that we're in is fear or um, victimhood or, you know, whatever, there's so many, whatever label you want to place on that, then that's the experience that you continue to have until, from a loving perspective, you are actually aware and available and ready to shift that and to do something different. And again, that, you know, that creates some, some friction even for myself that I think, why, why did it take me 30 years to be ready to do mm. something different? <laughs> mm-hmm. Why was I not ready at five or 10 or 18 or 21, right? It, it, mm-hmm. it took as long as it took because that was just my journey and that's different from other people's journeys. Yeah, it's so interesting. You say these words like fear, and you've, you've mentioned that quite a few times. And I think what you just mentioned was, and what I also heard and experienced is the other side of fear is love. And until mm-hmm. you get to that love side, the the fear side kind of rules. Yeah. And whatever fear label, like you said that, but it's really not until you find that loving perspective. And even I don't know if you've felt this yourself, but for myself, sometimes I get angry that the only way to go through it is love. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm back to anger again because for me, fear is anger and kind of that pattern you just talked about of the resentment side. And it's like, well, okay, so I've got to choose the love piece. Why? Why do I have to choose the love? It, <laughs> it's this weird cycle of you when you get back to love and you're actually in it and recognizing it and feeling it, you're like, oh, that's why. Because this yeah. actually feels really good and love is a good thing. Oh, yeah. right, right, right. Trauma is not, that's not part of this. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's the the two sides of the same coin, yeah? Wherever we've got um, light, we also have dark. It's that where we've mm-hmm. got consciousness, we've got unconsciousness. There is, um, you know, it's that's that's quantum physics, right? For every action, oh. there, is, there is an equal and opposite reaction. So, yes, when you exist in fear, it's very, very hard to understand, comprehend, or connect with something like love because it's at the opposite side of where you are. And at the, by the same token, when you exist in love, you kind of reflect on fear and say, why, why did I even need that? And why is that so irrelevant? That doesn't have a place here. Mm-hmm. Higher vibration. Mm-hmm. This quantum physics side and this higher vibration, it, when you find that love piece, you really do. Do you feel like you see a, a picture of yourself outside of yourself? You almost are no longer living the experience anymore, but you're now seeing the experience and then you can choose to go live what you choose to live. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure, for sure. I think, um, curiously, again, I think that the collective is experiencing that now, whether whether people are aware of it or not, right? That's the kind of the paradigm that we're going through. Um, We're experiencing the removal of a lot of these veils that, that have been illusions that have seemed so concrete to us. Even things like time, right? Time, this is time because we put labels on time because we built clocks and we we set alarms and we made calendars. But actually time does not exist in our system of time. So you can experience time being fast or you can experience time being slow. And right now time is very, very fast. You know, the speed of it is is going faster. And yet we all still have these systems. Oh, no, there's 24 hours in a day and seven days in a week and, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, 52 weeks in a year, all of those things. And so I think that where we are struggling or, or perhaps hopefully expanded by this mm-hmm. journey that we're having right now of I can be both 
within myself and I can also be outside of myself and see things in these these quantum fields, Mm -hmm. right? I, I can see that energy moves with a lot more fluidity than what we think it does and that there are things that we just don't understand and they're not there for us to understand. They're just there for us to experience. Mm-hmm. You mentioned at the very beginning this concept of what this human design really brings into play is the sameness versus the difference. It's the differences that it really uh, focuses on. And I think that's mm-hmm. so interesting because we're in this, the narrative nowadays is we need to be the same. Everyone's yeah. like, everything is the same, everything. But on the same side, when you get to the same, everyone's like, no, I'm different than that. But if you say that you're different than that, <laughs> now you're in this weird process of, but now you're not belonging almost comes into play. And if you don't belong, mm. then are you, and there's this really weird trap of, again, this victim process with the belonging mixed with same versus different and same sides of the coin. And mm-hmm. really this perspective focus do you see the world changing through this process toward one direction versus the other, or is it just an awareness that is happening whether we want it to or not? Oh, I mean, I hope we're changing. I hope we're changing. <laughs> I think I see glimmers of it every now and then, but the the process is slow, you know, and, and uncomfortable. Um, I think that we are right now we are really journeying deep down into that primal fear of belonging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. It is the deep undercurrent of the human experience that says, if I do not belong, then, then I do not survive. So I have to belong and therefore I will sacrifice myself. I will sacrifice my individuality. I will sacrifice my needs. I will sacrifice whatever it is, to to belong Um, because, again, very unconsciously, just our fear, that very, very deep-rooted ancient fear is that if we do not belong, then we die, that -hmm. that we don't survive. Um, And yet we're having this polarity of, but I now recognise that I am different. I now recognize that I am an individual. I now recognize that I am not the same as everyone else. And that feels liberating. So where where is that harmony? Where is that gray area and that hybrid space of I can be both an individual, I can be different and unique, while at the same time still belonging. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's that's very, very tricky very tricky and i in my personal perspective i think that that's really what the driving force is here behind um you know a lot of the stuff that we've got about like cancel culture at the moment and there's a lot of reactiveness going on and um this sort of force of opinion this force of perspective because it's 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 all of us swinging swinging that pendulum to extremes and saying what does it mean to belong what does it mean to be different how much can i be the same and and what does that all result in it's it's necessary. It's a necessary journey. It just doesn't mean it's always pretty. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask a question. I don't think it's a fair question, so I apologize for putting you in the position to ask it. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in advance, what do we do? I hear that question from so many people, and I think about it myself, and everyone goes, media is this way, and the world's this way, and we've now got wars this way, and we've got COVID this way, and there's all this like 
I'm going to use the word trauma. There's all mm-hmm. this trauma and there's all this mm-hmm. fear that's out there. What do you do? You focus on you. Focus on you, right? It, it always begins with self because, the, again, the illusion is that we have been taught that we can control anything outside of ourselves, that we can control time, that we can control other people, that we can control money, that we can control social experience, we can control, you know, politics or industry. We can't control any of those things. You can't, you can't control anything other than, than uh, the depth of your own experience. So for me, the question always comes back to am I being really radically responsible for my own self here and everything that that entails? Yeah. So am I choosing surrender or am I choosing resistance? Because those are really the only two avenues available to any of us as humans. You're, you're in the experience, right? You're here. Unless you choose to exit, right? Unless you, you choose to opt out and, and that is, is death really, then you are here and this is happening. So do you surrender to what it is showing you about yourself? Do you surrender to um, the changes that that will elicit in your journey? Do you surrender to that radical self-responsibility? knowing that that's not always nice to have? Or do you resist it? And do you place that armour up and do you try to build those walls and say, no, 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 I will keep this out and I do not need to see this about myself and, and I will make this about other people? I mean, it's we're all just, we're walking mirrors. We're all just walking mirrors. Like everything that anybody is doing around you is just reflecting something back to you. That's all. So I, I, re- I mean, it, uh, Outside of it sounding selfish, right? What's the solution? You, you are the solution. I think it goes so much deeper than that. It's, it's not selfishness. It's self-responsibility. And what that results in, hopefully, in my perspective, is that we then create a whole human collective of people that are aware of themselves and aware of their own energy and, and yes, aware of their own traumas where that's relevant, But in doing that, you then become aware that other people are also having their own energy, also having their own experience and also having their own traumas. And it it allows for a space of compassion in that. It allows for a space of openness rather than this system of I'm right and you're wrong, so somebody's got to go. Empathy. Yeah, yeah, true empathy, yeah. It kind of leads to my next question, and it's the second question I ask everyone on the, on the podcast. What are emotions to you? Ooh, I like that question. Um, I think that learning deeper into human design has actually really shifted my perspective on what emotions are. I always would have said that emotions are just energy. They're just moving around. And I, I think that that's still probably true. Um, however, what human design has showed me is that we can have individuals who have defined emotions, right, that the energetic centre of the emotional centre, the solar plexus, you can have that defined and about 50% of society does. And so half of society is experiencing their own emotions on this very kind of uh, specific and intense wave 
this cycle, right? Because they're here to become really emotionally intelligent about those emotions, to experience them over and over and over again. And then the other half of society is undefined in their emotional processing, which means, yes, they're experiencing their own emotions, but they're also experiencing other people's emotions and taking them in and drawing them in and and kind of turning up the volume on those. Um, And so for them, the experience of emotion is very different. Um, I am an undefined emotional being. And so I think that learning that language helped me to understand when I was seeing other people experience intense emotion and it would it would lead them to an outcome, right? They'd be able to mm-hmm. get really present with those emotions and, and be able to give them a name and, and to have a purpose and a meaning behind those. It, it was a journey. But for me, whenever I tried to grasp onto emotions, they were like liquid, right? They were they were always moving and always changing and the volume was always going up and down and they didn't hold an answer for me. It, it was even difficult to discern, is this even my emotion or is this somebody else's emotion mm-hmm. that I'm feeling and which one's my responsibility here? Mm-hmm. So, I, again, I think that this offers a place of openness. It offers a place of love and of empathy and of true understanding of others I'm a mother. I have three children. Um, Two of my kids are defined emotional beings and one of them is not. And Mm -hmm. so I can see, you know, we see so much purity amongst kids, like it's just so unfiltered. And I can see with my two defined emotional children that that experience is just so um, kind of contained for them, right? They they do have this intensity of emotion, but when they honour that, And when they surrender to those emotions and they don't try to demonize them, they find these really beautiful moments of clarity, right? Those emotions lead them somewhere and they can say, oh, I learned this about myself or or, this directs me down a particular path. Um, For my undefined emotional child, emotions are just like sand for her. It just, the more she dives into it, the more overwhelmed she gets. And I recognize that in myself too. So I definitely think that there is a space in emotional work to say we are not all the same. Sometimes emotions, you know, and and diving into that space and swimming in those emotional waters is going to be profoundly clarifying for you. But for other people, that's actually going to be more overwhelming. And you are not here to dive into the waters of emotion. You are just here to witness the emotion and let that tide go back out again. Hmm. it's hard advice to understand and really take yeah yeah what would you say is the number one emotion you experience on a day-to-day basis um (laughs) i suppose it depends on what day you catch me yeah Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and who i'm around um anger is certainly a profound emotion for me and I've, I've learned to allow that to be a messenger, to say perhaps anger is telling me something, right? It's telling me something about my environment or it's telling me something about myself and I don't need to criticise myself for being angry, right? I, I can allow that anger to pass and I, and I can allow it to show me something if it's there to show me something. Um, but really uh, kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum to that, I also experience 
deep peace and deep calmness, right? That's, that's very much a, a much nicer emotional state <laughs> for me to exist in, right? It's, it's, when I'm, um, it's when I'm in a place of trust and when I'm in a place of surrender and I'm not trying to figure out all the answers and I'm not trying to control other people. It, it really does come when I'm just taking responsibility for me and allowing my journey to be what it is and accepting that that journey is good enough and it is adequate and it is creating what it needs to create. And I, I just need to be an open and willing participant in that journey because I wanted this. I came here for this time. I came here for this challenge, right? I came here for this, this human journey. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's almost, it's almost a bit Jekyll and Hyde, right, this mm-hmm. swing between mm-hmm. <laughs> the light and shade, right, the opposite sides of the coin. I'm either really angry or on the other end I'm very calm and I'm very peaceful. Of course, I experience all of the emotions in between, but mm-hmm. those are the two big ones. What tools do you use to transition from anger to peace? I love somatic work, love, love, love somatic work. I'm just a a big um, believer in in the soma, the body, and its ability to be a powerful collaborative partner. I think that we've lost that, just lost so much of that in in our social understanding, in our social fabric, right? We, We have heralded the mind as king, when actually the wisdom exists in the body, it's from the neck down and your body has so much to tell you and um, so much access to give you to, to so many things. And, um, you know, I have a long, a long history of, of chronic illness in my younger years, again, as a result of trauma and then, of course, um, you know, the heart condition from the, the trauma with the last business. So uh, I think I was really strongly encouraged by the universe <laughs> to understand mm. the power of the body. Um, and so I love, love, love to use the body for that sort of transmutation, transitioning work. Um, I will use movement, right, dance or stamping my feet or um, even just using the throat yelling, shouting, singing. Singing is an incredible tool of transmutation. Um, Some people prefer humming or chanting. I just like singing. Um, But I also use a lot of breath work. I I really enjoy that connection of the nervous system, the central nervous system, and breath and how you can use different patterns of breathing to change the regulation in your nervous system because your nervous system is its the the central line of your whole body. It's the control panel, right? Your nervous system is determining every single other thing that happens in every system in your body. So if you can alter your nervous system and bring it into a a different pattern of regulation, you can experience a vastly different world, right? A vastly different energetic state in your body. And I just, I think that's really, really powerful from, from something as simple as, how you breathe, right? We, we forget our own power. We forget that we have it all already within these vessels. Everything that you need is right here within this, this vessel that you exist in. It's the one sameness that we all have. Absolutely. Yeah, it's oneness. Yeah. May I ask, what is a breathwork technique that you've been using recently that you find really successful? I've been working a lot on uh, parasympathetic 
breathing techniques, um, which they're very, very simple, right? If you feel like you're in a, a state of stress, so when your central nervous system is heightened and it's in a state of stress, um, it's a lengthened breathing breathing technique. So breathe in through your nose for a count of four and then breathe out through your mouth for a count of eight and continue cycling through that for at least kind of six to eight breaths. Um, and then on the opposite end of that, if you feel like your nervous system is, is depleted, right? Often this occurs after stress when we've kind of nosedived back down and you feel a bit disconnected, a bit foggy, a bit lethargic, fatigued, then you speed your breath up. So it's breathing in for the count of four through your nose and out for the count of four through your mouth and looping through that at least six to eight times. Um, it's very, very simple. It's deceptively effective and really powerful. And I think as we've entered 2022, we're starting to get like a lot of just like global recognition now mm -hmm. that everyone's nervous systems are burnt the heck out. Like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We've just gone through huge, huge nervous experiences, right, in the world. And even just down to something as simple as, uh, you know, coming out of social isolation and, and um, you know, social distancing to now being back together as humans. And people are getting overwhelmed and stressed when they need to go out and grocery shop, right? It's because your nervous system dysregulated. It changed. It it, it, it found a new baseline. So parasympathetic nervous system breathing, right, just bringing your, your nervous system back into that place of if I'm stressed, I'm going to come back down, and if I'm depleted, I'm going to come back up. You'll find that that has a huge effect on your body and just on your ability to kind of manage this reintegration thing that we're all doing right now. Mm -hmm. For people who have experienced, it's, uh, we all have experienced it, for the people who are out there knowing that they're in the middle of this trauma state and it's mm. leading their life at the moment, what would you, what guidance would you have for them? Oh my God, just keep going. <laughs> just keep, just keep going. It's what you and I were saying before that, you know, it's the red pill, blue pill. Once you're in it, you, you actually can't really come back out. Um, mm -hmm. There's no way but forward. And it's not your responsibility to know how to walk forward. It's just your responsibility to show up for it. That's all because it will unfold as it needs to unfold. And the tools that can support you in doing that, whatever they may be for you, because we have this huge toolbox to play with, um, the tools that are there to support you, they will show up. They'll come into your space as long as you're, you're open to receiving that. So just day after day, show up for it. Sometimes even, even if that breaks down to, you know, I just need to show up for the next hour. I just need to show up for myself for the next five minutes. I just need to show up for myself for the next 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. Just do that. Do that. Inch forward, inch forward, inch forward. It will create something truly, truly magical. And I think if you just release that question in your head of, oh, I should, I, am I in this or out of this? Maybe I should exit. Maybe I should get out. Should I stay here? you release that because it's that's a falsehood anyway yeah mm -hmm. you're not going back out you're in it now you just <laughs> just keep keep moving forward right is this what you help people with is this kind of when you say you're a life coach and a, you work in, in human design is this the process that you help people work through and what is that i guess what's that look like for you yeah i am um, i really enjoy 
helping people to use different language, I guess, and different perspectives to understand consciousness, right, to understand their experience. I'm not, I'm actually not a person that enjoys walking that journey with you. Right? I don't, I used to do that and I, I found that it was really tiring. It really wasn't aligned for me to kind of do that one-on-one walk with people. Mm-hmm. I love witnessing people in that growth and I love being a catalyst. I love being the initiator to kind of push people into that and say, hey, let me, I'll stand with you at the top of the cliff and I'll witness you as you jump off, right? And I'll, I'll give you some language to help you on the way the way through that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not here to hold your hand through the whole journey. There are people that love that. There are people that, that thrive on that and that nourishes them, the projectors largely, right? And that's beautiful. That's so beautiful to have those people. But um, no, I don't really do that kind of work. I really... my work is awareness my work is impact Mm. it says wake up have you thought about it this way right you're you seem to be experiencing this can we look at it from a different perspective Mm. um so the work in my business is at the moment very focused around human design um i facilitate a community for manifestors my energy type um because what I witnessed was we were not understanding ourselves and (laughs) we were not getting self-awareness and we were not really receiving teaching. And and I wanted to create a place that was safe Mm. and a place that was expansive to bring that teaching to manifestors and and to initiate them into that journey and into that expansion. So, um, you know, I teach courses largely um this year we're starting to do a lot more in-person stuff i'll be heading to the united states in a couple of weeks to do our first in-person event um now that we're able to right be back in back in person together and regulating those nervous systems as we go um so yeah i i really kind of work in this um sort of lightning strike aspect Mm -hmm. let me let me bring you the impact let me initiate you let me catalyze you and then off you go on your journey and there will be other people to support you in, in different ways as we go through. And I love that. I love that, that we, we each play a role in these experiences. How do people find out what they are, what, what energy type they are? It's pretty, pretty straightforward, actually. You just need your birth information. So you need um, your time and your place of birth. Um, and you can go to either geneticmatrix.com or jovianarchive. Dot com and it's free. You just plug your birth data in and it will it will shoot you out your chart. Um, and really to start with, depending on what appeals to you, right? But for most people, you probably just want to start with the very, the very top line up in the, they they'll give you like an interpretation kind of graph. Um, and the top line up there should say your energy type and start there and see what that shows you. Got it. And then if they're a manifester, and then how do people get in contact with you to walk through this process if they find out that they are a manifester? Yeah. So I largely hang out on Instagram. I just, I find that that's the most lovely social media platform at the moment. Um, so I am at the Holly Marie on Instagram. My website is thehollymarie.com. All of our resources are there. Um, 
like I said, most of our resources are targeted for manifestors, but we do have uh, kind of general courses and stuff for human design and, and other things, um, if that floats your boat as well. Um, there are heaps, heaps and heaps of people now coming in to teach the human design space. There are a lot of people who've been in it for years and years and years and they're really experienced and um, then other people who are just new and, and just kind of coming into awareness of it. So um, I'd encourage people to honestly just search human design and you will you will find the person that feels correct, you know, for you to learn from. It's mm. fascinating. Thank you for walking through this kind of, I've never heard it broken out like that. And it's, it's really helpful to see it from top to bottom and then kind of all the way through from the whole perspective. My, I have two more questions for you. Yeah. Have you ever channeled before? Yes. Yeah, I have. It's um it's a wild experience because I'm not I would not consider myself a channeler, right? I don't mm -hmm. I don't think that I necessarily have any gifting in that area. Um a very dear close friend of mine is a channeler mm -hmm. and she works with me closely, works with our business closely and she she channels <clears throat> every week for us and clears energy and you know, when I when I look at channeling, I think, oh my God, that's not, I can't do that. <laughs> that's not, <laughs> that's not my give. That is not my area. Um, yeah. However, I certainly have had experiences of, yeah, receiving very um, I want to say high level, but I don't want that to sound superior. You know, just those very out of this dimension mm -hmm. messages, mm -hmm. right? Those, those things that you feel deeply within you resonate with the cells of your being, but your mind can't actually fully comprehend what it is that you just received. So, yes, I've certainly had those experiences. I love it. And my last question is kind of a trick question. It's what question do you have for me? Oh, Oh, I like that. <laughs> um, what is, what's your understanding of consciousness, Dan? How do you see consciousness? Oh, my goodness. I think awareness is absolutely part of it. Mm. I think it is a big, big part of it because when I initially started asking that question it was i can ask that question therefore i'm aware enough to ask that question oh yeah and i am now starting to really dive into this concept of what you said earlier where it's this law of oneness mm. where consciousness is us all unconsciously conscious of everything and now I'm really trying to understand how to define that and then also live in this present moment where we're on 3D, but also mm -hmm. heading into this 5D dimension and how to find this balance between those two things where consciousness is us all, but mm -hmm. we are also consciousness within our awareness of the senses. Mm -hmm. How do you find balance without losing your mind? Yep. <laughs> I love that. So accurate. How yeah. do we do any of this without yeah. losing sanity? Without losing sanity. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. And just 
the day-to-day process while also understanding that there's such a large vision and Mm. experience here that we're all going through. And Mm -hmm. we are here on this earth at this plane in this time to experience what we're all experiencing together. Yeah. Yeah. That's thank you. No, I've not had someone ask me that before. And it's what the whole podcast (laughs) is about. And it's the, it's the question that I'm constantly searching for. So thank you for asking that. That's really cool. Oh, no, I loved, I loved your description. I think it's, it's so, um, it's so honest. It's so authentic. It says, I think I know what consciousness is, but the more I dive into consciousness, the more I realize I don't know Mm -hmm. what it is. And that's exactly, that's kind of the whole point, right? Yeah. That's yeah. It's the forever journey. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I'm happy to be on it. Yeah. Thank you for being on the Actually Connecting podcast. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. It's been a true, true joy just to have an in-depth discussion. Yeah. What is your Instagram so people can find you? I am very simple. I am at the Holly Marie. And yeah, come on over. Cool. Well, we'll have you on the show again, because I know there's so much more to talk about and there's, you know, head over to your website because you're just, you're complex. And I, I am. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's a great thing. It's such a compliment. And I hope it's taken that way because it's, it's a wonderful thing to me in this world that we are. And like you said, we're on this journey and there's one dimension to it right now, but it's always changing and evolving. So mm-hmm. thank you for being on the, the actually connecting podcast and walking through what is consciousness emotions and connecting for you. Amazing. Thank you for having me, Dan. You're welcome. Like what you heard? Give it a share. Want to talk about it? Comment or like below. Have a great rest of your day. This is the Actually Connecting Podcast.